welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Hello, hello, and welcome to People with Purpose. Uh, This is the start of a new series. Uh, As you know, I uh, am very uh, committed to being the best leader that I possibly can be. And part of my mission is about creating leaders who create leaders. And so if you've got a purpose that you're looking to pursue, you've got a mission that you're on, then leadership is a vital part of that. Uh, so this is going to be a multi-part series of episodes uh, covering a model which has evolved over time. Now, I'm a I'm a leader of businesses and have had a number of lessons, experiences, successes along the way. Uh, run successful companies now. Uh, wasn't always that way. Uh, learn a lot through trial and error. Learn a lot through um, picking up different pieces of insight and learning, looking at other people, different role models, uh, taking models and systems from books and courses that I've been on, taking them and applying them to uh, different circumstances. Some of it works, uh, some of it doesn't. And still learning today, still learning today. The one thing that I believe very strongly and which I have learned and which remains true is that the world's full of problems and and businesses face many problems. Business owners, business leaders face many problems. People need to look to themselves to find the solutions. Every problem, when you look at it, is a leadership problem which means every challenge that a leader faces is an opportunity to solve a problem, to make a difference and to make the world a better place. So this series uh, is going to be at least five parts, maybe more, depending on the length of episode, because I want to chunk it down a bit so that we get into a bit of detail, uh, but not give too much information in one go. So, um, So I might break up some of the talks, our five main talks into uh, smaller episodes. We'll see how we go. But there's going to be some theories, some examples, some stories, and some exercises for you to unlock your leadership capability. Now, some of this you will already know. Some of this you'll be doing naturally. And the object of the exercise is not to teach anyone to suck eggs, um, some of it will seem very basic to some people. Some of, some of it will seem will be, will be new information and will give a new perspective. A lot of this is about behaviour, human behaviour. Management is about things, getting tasks done. Leadership is about people. And you've probably been in situations where you've had a... Uh, objective, you've had a goal to achieve and you've hit a bit of a block with the person that you're working with for some reason. And that can be as part of a team or as a leader of a team. You may have even experienced a mutiny, who knows? Uh, I know that I have. (laughs) And uh, 
Yeah, it wasn't a comfortable feeling. But there are things that I could have done better, different and better, to prevent that from happening in the first place. So the valuable lessons, valuable lessons contained in this mini-series. And the model is about leading with calm. C-A-L-M. And I've mentioned this before on, on a previous episode, early episode of the podcast. And CALM stands for communication, accountability, leadership, and management. And the word CALM is on the top of my job description as a leader. And it's on the top of every leader, whether they're manager, supervisor, director, whatever, in any business that I'm involved in. If I'm involved in an exercise to uh, review roles and responsibilities, CALM, C-A-L-M, CALM, is at the top of every job description. And when you're running a business or running a team, CALM is one of your highest key result areas. It's a area of focus that unlocks pretty well all others. Now, you may have been promoted into a leadership role for your technical ability. And if that hasn't happened to you, then you may earn the right to become a leader of others in part through your technical ability. But what about those other skills you need to turn that technical capability into brilliant projects that deliver on time into well-organized teams that are fully focused, that are motivated, everyone in the boat is rowing in the same direction. And how much potential does that unlock for your business, for your team, for your career, for your success? That's why this is so important. Also, hitting the wall or hitting the ceiling in business and in life is inevitable. And to bust through it or break through that, you need to master leadership. And that's your ability to lead yourself and your ability to lead others. Because you need other people. 80% of what is achieved is not by virtue of one individual. If you're a leader of a team already, 80% of what you're achieving will be achieved by others. And that team, by the way, could be a real team of people all employed in the same business or organisation. Or it could be that you are a, a sole trader or an individual who is working with a virtual team because you've got supply partners or people you bring in for specific skills or an accountant, a lawyer, uh, a plumber, if you're a builder, whatever it might be. We all rely on other people. And we're all work in progress. Every single one of us is work in progress. So no matter what stage you're at, level you're at, the person you're looking to compare yourself with 
really is the person that you were yesterday and how can you improve as a leader from that perspective, from that person that you were yesterday by taking the learnings that you get in your daily walk, being open to feedback, assessing the feedback that you receive and then applying what's relevant the next time around. So some of this is contextual as well. You know, in one context, you may be a great leader and you may be able to navigate your way through challenges with no effort, or so it seems. And then another context could be a completely different story. So, for example, why is it that some people you may know are brilliant in a crisis, but when it comes to delivering a project on time, which is running for a few months, they always run late. And then the opposite of that can be true. Why is it that some people are absolutely brilliant at delivering on a task, but their team has got a real high turnover of, of people? And, and it's always the same role that keeps on leaving or you always feel like you get somebody bedded into your team and then they move on and want to go somewhere else. And you don't quite understand why. We've all got different strengths. But if you've got a mission that you're looking to pursue and you've got a vision for your business, for your life, and it could be a really, really great idea that could change things for the better. But if you can't articulate that, if you can't plan it effectively, execute on that plan. If you're finding it challenging to influence others into understanding where you're coming from or to a different way of thinking, and if you're unable to build a team to make it happen and adapt your style and approach to the circumstances, then your great vision, your great mission is nothing more than a whim or a wish. And uh, there was that famous quote, a, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Uh, that's uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. I've probably pronounced that wrong, but um, it's in a book called Le Petit Prince, or the Le Petit Prince. Basically, the significance of your goals and your dreams is completely flawed, completely meaningless without planning and execution. And planning is the first step to execution, getting things done. Not for everyone. Some people just crack on and do it. But generally speaking, having a plan is the first step to execution. And taking that intention and turning it into reality. So it works exactly the same way with how you lead. You know, if you've got a goal to be uh, a certain thing or to achieve a certain thing, how are you going to lead to the achievement of that goal? Having that conscious plan for how you are going to lead and having a kind of a, a radar, a scan on at all times to be able to 
understand when your leadership style is working for you, when the different elements of how you're leading are pulling people together and helping them to move forward. That conscious plan, that intention to be the kind of leader that you need to be to achieve what you want to achieve. So in this first episode of this mini series, I'm just going to explore how to understand what kind of leader you might be. And really that understanding starts with an understanding of yourself and your preferences, your personality. So the origins of personality theory go back to Hippocrates. Uh, and um, some would say perhaps further and diff different philosophers and uh, psychologists and ethnographers and various other um, osophy type people through the ages have talked about people and what makes them tick. And in order to be a leader, like I say, it's about people. So having a good understanding of yourself and others and what makes them tick is very, very powerful. And Hippocrates identified four distinct energies which are exhibited by different people. And uh, Carl Jung, centuries later, uh, developed a model called, I think, personality types, I think it's called. Personality, or maybe psycho psychological types. And um, really, this is, becomes then a framework for self-understanding and a lot of modern-day theories around um, personality, behaviour, and how best to communicate with each other. So a good understanding of you and who you are what your strengths and weaknesses are, what makes you tick, what are your preferences, when are your energy levels high and low, and what stimulates that, what enables you to maintain that, enables you to uh, better respond to the external environment, what's going on out there, the, uh, the things that happen that can affect your mood, uh, that can uh, make you think you've made a good or a bad decision. Um, everything really, you're going to interact with the outside world. As a leader, you're going to interact with your team, as we've established. You won't achieve it on your own. And then you need to interact with the external environment, the context that you find yourself in. So how does uh, Jung's theory play through? Well, there is a, a company called Insights Discovery. And they um, do these like personality profiler things. And I know a lot of people are quite sceptical about these personality profiler things. However, I found this to be incredibly powerful. So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've, you've been leading a team and the project specification is all completely clear. Roles and responsibilities are all completely clear. And then you step away and let the team get on with it. You trust the team, trust the team leader. And then it gets to 
delivery day or the deadline and you find that what you thought was going to happen hasn't happened. And then the impact on your reputation is significant because you're the manager responsible or the leader responsible for making sure this thing takes place. Well, if that sounds a familiar story to you, then it also sounds a familiar story to me because back along maybe 20 years, I was running a team. We were making quite a significant change to uh, the way that we, uh, we managed customer service and uh, managed customer queries. And uh, we reorganized things and we thought we had our metrics set up correctly. We thought we had a team of people, I say we, I, <laughs> thought we had the team of people who were focused on delivering uh, and monitoring the vital signs of the business as we went through the change. And then the mistake that I made was trusting that this would all happen without checking in. And as a result, unfortunately, we ended up with a bit of a uh, problem with cash flow because customer queries weren't being managed in the same way. Customers therefore weren't paying their bills. And as a result, we had a bit of a cash flow question, challenge, which required immediate action in crisis type action to, uh, to resolve. I had an effect on my reputation. So what has this got to do with personality profilers, you might say? Well, through going through Insights Discovery, maybe four years later, that was when I worked out where my personality preferences had had a big impact on how this pro project uh, had been successful and also how it had failed. So... If you're uh, happy to go through this exercise with me for a second, um, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to grab a pen and a piece of paper. And I would like you to, it's an A4 piece of paper, be cool, or an A5 piece of paper, a notepad, and uh, taking up about two thirds of the page, draw a big circle. And within that circle, uh, draw a cross, so from top to bottom and from side to side. So what you then should have is a circle basically broken into quarters. And on the top of the line that goes from top to bottom, I'd like you to write the word head, H-E-A-D. And at the bottom of that line, I'd like you to write the word heart. And I've got a question for you. When you're working in uh, making decisions, when you're uh, interacting with others, when you're responding, how does it, how does it work for you? Do you how, what do you respond with? Do you think you lead with your head or do you think you lead with your heart? Now, lots of people say, well, it depends. Sure, get it. It depends. So think about a time when you are less conscious of how you're behaving. So try not to think about a work context. Try and think about, say, a time when you're with uh, 
uh, when you're in flow, when you're uh, relaxed, think about your thoughts, actually. What's your, what thoughts pop up? Are they thinker-type, head-based thoughts, logic, rational? Or are you more on the kind of emotion or response-type, feely-type side of things? And wherever you think you are on that line, so the middle of the, the, the cross is 50-50, uh, above it you're more of a, a head-based uh, decision-maker, and below it you're more of a heart-based decision-maker. And just make a little mark on the line where you think you, you fall. So you could be halfway between the bottom of the circle and the centre, for example, if you think you're a fair-to-middling heart-based decision-maker, operator. And then, once you've made that mark, then on the axis that goes across, the line that goes across the circle, on the left-hand side you can write introvert, and on the right-hand side you can write the word extrovert. Then I'd like you to go through the same exercise again and think about your preference for introversion or extroversion. And again, think about that less conscious persona that you adopt. So, you know, when you're in flow, when you're um, either with loved ones or perhaps on your own, um, and perhaps in your thoughts, you know, are you more introverted as a natural preference or extroverted? So where you've put a mark on the vertical line and on the on the horizontal line if you can draw uh, an x marks the spot type uh, grid where those two would meet if they were in one of the segments then that might give you a kind of a broad approximation of what a natural energy preference flow might be for you so if you've got a mark in the top left-hand uh, quadrant, then under Insights Discovery and, and Jung's uh, personality types, you're described as a cool blue. You lead with cool blue energy. And this is an analytical thinker. This is somebody who wants to get it right. This is someone who's into the detail, somebody who likes to have the facts before they make a decision. Someone who uh, might be a bit detached uh, certainly would be analytical, uh, wants to know the facts before you make a decision. So that's the cool blue, top left hand quadrant. The top right quadrant is a extroverted thinker. So top left was introverted thinker, top right, extroverted thinker, uh, also known as a, as a fiery red. So do it now. Let's do it now. Uh, very uh, into um, you know, positivity and bold and being assertive and uh, getting things done. That's the kind of fiery red energy, an extroverted thinker. And then Coming down one quadrant to the bottom right-hand quadrant, you are an extroverted 
feeler. That's how you've identified yourself. And uh, very much into doing things together, you know? Uh, uplifting, sociable, a sunshine yellow as part of this model. And, uh, you know, a bit tiggerish. And, uh, yeah, a sociable, affable type person. An extroverted thinker. And the bottom left quadrant is our earth greens. So earth greens are uh, introverted feelers. They're quite calm, quite tranquil, quite soothing. And I place a lot of emphasis on care and nurture and those sorts of values. So if you've got a thinking preference, you're up the top of the box, you're, or top of the circle, sorry, you're going to probably be a little bit more formal, a little bit more analytical, a little bit more objective, perhaps a bit more detached, and focused on thinking and tasks and systems and stuff. And if you're in the bottom half of the circle, you're going to perhaps be a little bit more informal, uh, perhaps a bit more subjective. You might come across as a bit more caring and looking more for harmony in relationships instead of um, hard tasking towards action and results. And by the way, none of this is about putting you in a box. I know I've just asked you to draw a circle and two lines, and then I've asked you to mark where you think you might be as part of this exercise. But these describe the four energies, right? And this is just your preference. And some of you may have found this quite hard to do. I know a lot of people who say, well, I'm probably in the middle and put themselves right on the middle cross in this circle. But it's worth really thinking about it. It's worth really understanding where you think you sit on this wheel, on this circle. Because this tells you about your preference. So your preference, if you're a fiery red, will be for fast action. Be brief, be bright, be gone, is how they describe it. And if that's your preference, then... You know, you want people to come to you with information that means that you can make a quick decision, then crack on, get on with the action. But if you approach a earth green with that kind of energy, then potentially you're going to come into conflict because the direct action approach doesn't necessarily always work for the earth green. In fact, what happens when an earth green feels like they're being forced into doing something that they don't really understand or they're not sure really chimes with their values for looking after people, then they will resist. And an earth green person who might come across as quite, you know, calm and slow and caring and nurturing, sometimes the flip side of that energy can become pretty stubborn if they don't feel like the values are being properly considered and people are properly being considered, as an example. 
or the planet is properly being considered. And so your introverted feeler, your earth green, could potentially become somewhat animated, which could be quite a surprise. So if you're a cool blue analytical type and you approach a sunshine yellow, uh, then you're potentially going to approach that decision with lots of facts, lots of information, lots of data. Uh, you are not going to keep the interest of someone who leads with sunshine yellow for very long unless you make it engaging, unless you can paint a picture with your numbers, with your facts. So yeah, your sunshine yellow potentially gets quite easily distracted and turn that the other way around. If a sunshine yellow approaches a cool blue with no substance, just with a great idea that's going to make us multi-millionaires, but there are no sums, then what do you think the cool blue analytical type is going to think of that? Probably not much. And what confidence do you think that cool blue analytical type will have in your ability to make good decisions? Well, it depends how quickly you learn. Because the thing about these energies is that they are purely preferences. And we have all the colours in us. So if you're a sunshine yellow, tigger, sociable type person most of the time, and you feel that that's your energy that you lead with, then think about those times when you get really into the detail. Now, if I think about a time when I didn't get into the detail, it was that project that I mentioned not so long ago, where, because I do lead with yellow, I trusted others who actually were quite analytical in their nature to keep an eye on things. I did not ask the right questions. Now, trust is important, and we'll come on to that later in this series. But verifying, yeah, I was in a meeting only two weeks ago with, uh, with, with, with the leadership team, my leadership team, and uh, yeah, trust, trust and verify was the way it was described as, which is a good way of putting it. Hadn't heard that for a while, but it, it really brought it home because you start with trust, but then you put in a mechanism, which means that you're verifying that what you're being told is actually how things are panning out. And that's not about tr trusting people or not trusting people. That's about you having the information that you need. And if you are a sunshine yellow type person, then you need to put these mechanisms in place to balance, to dial up that blue energy in the processes that you follow and the way that you do things. So this is a probably five episode topic on its own, but it sets the frame thinking about what kind of leader you are actually begins with what kind of preferences do you have as a person and understanding yourself in this way also helps you to understand other people in this way as well so think about people that you know here's another exercise for you to do so basically do the same exercise with the members of your team if you currently have a team 
maybe you could do it with your family. What energy preferences do you think your colleagues or your family members have? And compare that with yours. And think about scenarios where you may have come into conflict or communication might not have run as smoothly as perhaps it should. Is it possible that in those scenarios, say, for example, you're having a discussion with your partner and you get frustrated because your partner does not seem to be listening to you or does not seem to be uh, taking too much concern about your view about something, but seems to be really, really clear on what it is they think you should do. Could it be that person is a person who is leading with fiery red as an energy? Could it be that that person is being driven by their natural preference just to want to get things done? If that's the case, how can you uh, make allowances for what their needs are? If that's the case, how can you approach them in a different way to get a better result from the conversation? Can you approach them with, this is what our options are, I've chosen this one because, so I think we should do that. What do you think? Would that get a different result to approaching them with a kind of a, oh, I'm not sure what we should do, a really slow pace? Possibly. It's worth trying, eh? Especially if it happens a lot. And if you find yourself coming into conflict with people, maybe because they're frustrated with you because you're not giving them the information that, they need to make a decision, the detail. Maybe they lead with blue and maybe they need you to provide them with more detail. In fact, maybe if you think about it, if you had thought about it a little bit more, then maybe you could have answered the question on your own and gone to them with a, I've done this bit of research. I think this is the right answer. Can you just check it for me? Make sure I'm right. And what if somebody approaches you and they're going way too fast and they're making demands on you and you feel like you're being impinged? Maybe you're an earth green. I need a bit more time. Maybe you need to find a way of managing a fiery red that says, I'll give that some thought and I'll come back to you tomorrow. So if you're concerned about what you're hearing, then please relax. This is not about putting you in a box. This is not about putting other people in a box. It's about understanding your preferences and understanding the preferences of others. This is not about playing mind games. It's about treating people in the way they want to be treated to get to the best outcome. It's about looking in your life and your working life for examples where when you're making decisions, delivering a message, receiving a message, when you're selling, perhaps, when you're serving, and when you're leading, 
you find yourself not perhaps quite on the same wavelength with a member of your team, or you find yourself in conflict, maybe. It's possibly that, or it's possible, sorry, that these energy preferences could be better understood, harnessed and tweaked so you can give them what they need so that you can move on and make things, make things happen in a way that can be more fun and more fulfilling. So in order to lead others with calm, and I've not even started on calm yet, by the way, it's a bit of a preamble because to understand yourself and your energy flows and preferences flows into all of your interactions with others. Understand yourself, you can understand other people more effectively. I highly recommend looking into insights discovery. So if you're running a team or business, actually introducing this or something like this could be a game changer for you. One thing it's provided for businesses where I've applied this has been a common language. Uh, we've been able to say, we're going to have a blue meeting today, or we're going to need to have a red meeting today. You need to dial up the red to get things done today. And everyone knows what you mean. It's kind of uh, depersonalizing in a way. You're not saying, you know, for example, a yellow to a cool blue is not saying you need to cheer up a bit. You need to show a bit more enthusiasm. Um, what you're saying is, but well, we need to dial up the yellow in this situation. So it helps with relationships and it helps understand yourself. And if you wish to be an effective leader, if you want to lead with calm, if you want to make communication, accountability, leadership and management the very, very top of your KRA so you can unlock the potential in others, so you can be a leader who creates leaders, then this starts with a better understanding of yourself and your preferences. I'd love to hear from you if you've got any thoughts or ideas on what I've covered today. I'd love to hear from you if there are other models that you're aware of which have really delivered great results for you in business. And please do get in touch if you'd like to find out more about uh, insights and, and how this has been applied uh, in the businesses that I've been involved in. It'd be a great pleasure to, to help or serve in any way that I can. And the reason that this is important is because what the world needs now more than ever before is great leaders, great leaders who understand themselves well, who are open to feedback, who are humble and prepared to come forward with uh, a little bit of vulnerability to be able to connect with the people that they lead, to be able to really influence and create great results and great outcomes that don't harm people or the planet. So hope that's been helpful. Episode one of the Calm Leadership Series, that's it done. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are and uh, I look forward to uh, catching up with you on the podcast or elsewhere again soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. 
I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Bye.